Welcome to this season two episode of the Me Sweet podcast. I'm your host, Donna Peters. I am a career coach for people who want a life, who want to live with what I call a Me Sweet mindset. Just like leaders in the C suite, we need to do three things well in our own personal lives. First, letting our personal core values guide our decisions. Second, keeping our day to day life running smoothly. And third, staying fresh and relevant for the future that we wish to have. Here, our guests balance the aspirational with the practical by sharing tips on what we can start doing differently on Monday to lead our lives with a me sweet mindset. The number one thing I've learned is that people are amazing if you give them a chance to tell their unique stories. So let's get in there. On today's episode of The Me Suite, we are talking to Donna Cryer. So this will be the Dueling Donna's episode. Donna is president and CEO of the Global Liver Institute. She has an undergrad from a place you might have heard of. It's called Harvard University. She did a law degree at Georgetown. She's a patient advocate and a social impact entrepreneur and amazingly a 25-year liver transplant recipient. She is a maverick in digital health. She has an amazing perspective on leadership and life and health. And I am thrilled to have a chance to get into the mind of Donna Cryer. Thank you so much, Donna. So Donna, you know, in the Me Suite, we start with core values. And I would love to hear what your core values are and how they have driven decisions that you've made in your life. A very exciting life. All too exciting. Um, I think, isn't that the Chinese curse that, you know, may you live in interesting times? Yeah. I had the privilege of being sent to a kindergarten through eighth grade at a private school that had these words written from Philippians uh, on the transom of the, uh, you know, so the main auditorium. And Mm -hmm. they are whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, admirable, if anything be excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Mm. So that those have been the core value of my life. When you have a choice, and we all do, think on the things that are truthful and honorable and lovely and pure and choose to be excellent because it is it is a choice that we have every day we're facing that as a country we face that in our business we face that in our relationships uh, with our family members um, we face that with our relationship with ourselves and so those really are my my core values and really the core choices I try to make every day and so I'm, I'm grateful to my parents for putting me in that environment where that was so, you know, put ingrained into me. That was absolutely beautiful. I want to switch gears to now you're the president and CEO of the Global Liver Institute and the journey that got you there. Can you talk a little bit about how did you get to this leadership position? And I know it's a combination of professional and personal and a pretty incredible story. First of all, I want to say that you might look into your crisis of confidence if you found an organization and you don't put yourself in charge. 
So that's one thing. So I, I am the CEO, but I'm also the founder. So mm-hmm. we'll see if I'm actually qualified to, to be here. <laughs> um, you know, on the on the personal side, and this is a you know a very personal uh, role for me. Um, I was I was diagnosed with my uh, first condition, uh, an autoimmune um, GI condition, when I was 13, mm-hmm. and was diagnosed with an, a second autoimmune condition, a liver condition uh, called primary sclerosis and cholangitis, when I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. and uh, quickly proceeded to needing both a uh, subtotal colectomy, so the uh, removal of, of my entire large intestine. And a uh, liver transplant in in very short uh, succession. Mm. You know the game of what you do last summer um, <laughs> was was an interesting one to play. I'm like I, I spent it at, at Johns Hopkins, um, and uh, and I have the T-shirt to prove it. Um, but I uh, I after a career in uh, I did go back and finish law school. Um, but after a, a career in, in, in healthcare, uh, in for-profit and nonprofit settings, including uh, working in organ transplant policy, uh, federal affairs, working in communications, a uh, global public relations firm, working at a, uh, building a multicultural division for a clinical trial recruitment firm. By the time mm-hmm. we got to the 20th anniversary of my liver transplant, I really looked around and uh, did not feel comfortable or confident that other patients coming behind me would have the same level of access, uh, access to care, you know, period, full stop for so many people, but access to innovative care, whether it's in new surgical techniques, um, the best health systems in the world, or novel innovative medications. You know, I was put on a drug that is now standard of care, but when I received it, it was still called, you know, FK506. So to make sure that we were creating the awareness, uh, the culture, the ecosystem that will allow for investments that would encourage and facilitate investment in liver research, liver treatments, liver health, and then put all of the pieces of the system together in a way that people understood what was available for them um, and and could truly uh, navigate it and and access it fully, so that they could lead the healthy robust, very full lives that, you know, I've been able to lead for the past almost 26 years now since my transplant. If people are doing the math, yes, I turned 50. (laughs) Wow. And what an amazing 50. So FK506, does that mean that when you were receiving that drug, it was still in clinical trial? It was approved. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was FDA approved at that time, but it was still so new that, you know, the physicians were still, that's what they had been referring to that in the research stage. And so it hadn't, you know, been in practice long enough. And in fact, some of the doctors who I, you know, have the pleasure of seeing now at medical conference, you know, say how they were sort of negotiating and wrangling with each other to get it at, you know, the early adopter institutions uh, to, to, to um, try it with their with their patients as it was just emerging from the clinical trial phase, and so that part of the pioneering of, of mm-hmm. medicine, and now to work with those many of those same physicians building programs for patients um, in this stead, it, it's it's really a wonderful privilege to have come full circle. But I also think about all the skills I developed in the way to move from being a patient in the bed being treated by these doctors to being a peer on an FDA advisory committee 
or another type of panel or in the boardroom, you know, with them. Uh, and it's an incredible journey and it took a lot of, a lot of study. I'm envisioning a memoir here, Donna. It's from patient to peer to boardroom or something. What an That'll amazing. Be my second book. Tell me about um, the first one. The first one is, oh, it's like if, if, if it were an actual baby, I would, I would be so ready. <laughs> I, I, I would be having Braxton Hicks contractions. Um, uh, it's called, uh, it will be called, uh, tell them yes. Exclamation okay. decided. And the reason, uh, you know, for, for those who've known me longer, they could have a thousand reasons of why that title is, is apt because I, I clearly need to read a book called tell them no, sometimes please. Um, <laughs> But the actual reason for the title that, that I've carried it in my heart and my head for so many years is because that is what I told my mother when she was standing by my bedside in intensive care. Um, and I had on my way into surgery that spring in 94, um, after my first year of law school, uh, there's a, you know, a competition to write on for Law Journal. And I had mm-hmm. sat up all night long doing, you know, my eight write-on packets, made my parents take me to Kinko's uh, at like dawn. And as we, we drove to Hopkins, I handed them carefully to my parents uh, to mail from Hopkins as I was rolling, rolled into surgery. And I basically told them, like, don't mess it up. Um, and so several months later, I was accepted to one of the law journals um, at Georgetown uh, University Law Center. And so she was asking me if she, you know, she saw me there in intensive care. She had been told I had seven days to live. Mm. And so she was like, what should I tell them? And I look up at her, you know, rather incredulously, um, despite me being, you know, emaciated. I just said, well, tell them yes. It just seemed obvious. I didn't understand the question. Tell them Mm. yes. Yes, of course. I will be on journal. I will go back and I will reclaim my part and I will be student body president and I will finish my classes and, and, you know, I'll be the next, uh, you know, Thurgood Marshall and Ruth Bader Ginsburg all rolled up into one. Like what, what? Um, so that's where the title comes from. And although that legal track, um, you know, I did go back and was in law school and on journal and finished law schools and, and things like that and went to the justice department of criminal division in my dream job as the first thing out. But Mm -hmm. it, it took a, my life took a different direction of advocacy still. And I've been saying yes to committees. I've been saying yes to, you know, government offices. I've been saying yes to, to building, uh, to building things and to speaking opportunities that the patient voice would be represented often in so many circumstances as the only or the first patient to serve on those roles until I can say, you know, yes, you need some more people and <laughs> let me let me hold the door open for others um, that I, in fact, am training to serve in all those roles. So tell them yes. And then, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of subtitle, I guess, is and then we'll figure it out from from there um, is is my motto. So that will be that will be the book. Really, how can you live a life of high achievement while also navigating you know, serious uh, chronic illnesses? This is absolutely amazing. And if you've done this in 50 years, I am super excited about your next 50. Thank you. When you continue to tell them, yes, you are truly, truly an amazing person. You make me want to be a better person. And if anybody heard tell them yes and didn't get chill bumps listening, they aren't a human being. It's just an amazing story. Thank you. 
Is there anything that you want to leave with the listeners, something that you would advise them to start doing or thinking about differently on Monday, just based on all of your achievements and life wisdom? Yes, I would advise people two things. It's because I've always had a very bold vision and I think Mm -hmm. people should. So take whatever you're thinking about doing and go 10 times more. Mm-hmm. is what my advice is. People respect that. People write checks if you, you know, bigger checks if they think they're going to you're going to do a big impactful thing. So go big, go bold. We're all home, so you can't go home. Just just go bold. <laughs> and this the the second part is acknowledge your weaknesses. I have many. It's about figuring out what systems and what helps and what complementary people or services or actions do you need to help you then still achieve your goals. Um, so don't put them on the shelf or think, oh, I can't do that. You can do that no matter what that is, mm-hmm. um, or even bigger version of that. You just need to figure out the right strategies or complementary infrastructure around yourself to be able to accomplish it. Yeah, it's amazing. You may have a weakness. The only one you have might be that you don't have your own show <laughs> because you're such a wonderful balance of incredible drive and intelligence, but humility and humor. So tell them yes might be the book and then start thinking about the title of your show. Maybe we can launch it on your podcast when I come back, Donna. You call me, I'll be here. Okay, thank you. So I really appreciate you, Donna, sharing a little peek into your amazing story and giving us all some things to think differently about the leadership and legacy and difference that we wanna make. Uh, Having a lot of respect for what it means to wake up healthy and wonderful to spend some time with Donna Cryer, everybody. Thank you. Subscribe to the podcast and give us five stars if you like what you're hearing. And learn more about the MeSuite career coaching and professional development at themesuite.com. It's the-me-suite.com. Suite is spelled like executive suite. This is Donna Peters, and I thank you for having me in your ear right now. Find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded.